another edition of the Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams in the house. We're at Triple C Brewing Company in Southend on a beautiful Monday evening in the Queen City. What's going on, Danny Brams? John, it's not our first time at Triple C, uh, but it's our first show at Triple C. So uh, how you doing? What you drinking? Cheers to that. It's great to be here. Uh, it's brunch time for me because I'm, I'm drinking brunch. It's, it's, an, it's an American IPA, and it's on a fantastic board here. Um, I had to take a photo of it just so I could shout out some of these names. Entering a black hole backwards, an 8.0 ABV. And you've got something high up there, too. I got the Baby Maker double IPA. Uh, drinking it out here on the patio as you hear cars drive by. It's a beautiful day here in Charlotte. And uh, I went for the 8.7 ABV because uh, it felt like a 8.7 kind of day, man. We got to talk about a tough loss here for the team. And uh, I'm about to throw one down. What can I say? It is the perfect choice for the occasion because if you're a Charlotte FC fan, you know the squad is coming off of a 2-0 loss on Saturday night in Philly. We're going to get into that performance. Um, different experiences for us on Saturday night. Right, watching the game from afar. We, that's something that neither you nor I have uh, had to do this year. We've been lucky enough to be at every game so far until now. And it, maybe that was, the, uh, you know, maybe that was the difference. Who knows? We, we had been there for a good winning streak. Uh, it kind of feels like the bubbles burst a little bit in Charlotte FC land. And, and we'll get into that whether whether it is still a burst bubble, if there's longer-term problems, you know, is the outlook still rosy? You know, I, I felt like the way I tried to frame it when we were talking earlier before the show was even with all the previous losses, we've lost three games before now, and it's been kind of, it's okay. There's so, always something to bounce back on. There's like, oh, you know, well, hey, we got the home game next. or It was our first ever game or, you know, oh, uh, you know, we're – we uh, we fought with Atlanta. You know, we scored our first goal at least. You know, against Atlanta, but we still lost. So like, every time we've lost before, there's still I've still felt the bubble didn't burst. But now I feel like the bubble might have burst a little. I don't know. I don't know. That's what do you think? Well, the bubble burst on the sideline and on the pitch. So potentially off the pitch as well. So what do I mean by that? Simply, when you concede in the fourth minute. Mm. And you concede in the 46th minute after halftime. Mm. It is very difficult to find the motivation to finish off the half in a positive manner, especially when it's 2-0 after that 46th minute goal. I mean, it wasn't 30 seconds into the second half. It, we, we were we uh, we were still chanting. We we had a, a great little chant session going at La Unica uh, with the Blue Furia. We'll talk more about that party. Later on, closer towards the end of the show. Let's but, go! Uh, that must have been, I, 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 I'm pissed that I missed that party. I love yeah, Music Factory. Yeah, I can at least I can at least say that we we had the, the, the we got the drums and the noisemakers going at halftime. Had a, a, like a big group of people chanting, and we sat down. You know, I sat down after a really invigorating chant session. You know, like we are Charlotte and all that, and. I sit my beer. I had. I didn't even sit my next beer, and all of a sudden we concede and we're down two. So yeah, that sucked. And concede in a fashion that is one of the ugliest plays of the season. So ugliest play in Charlotte FC history, no doubt about that. So we're going to get into that. Saw some reaction on Twitter about that play and Mar style of play, and maybe that sort of mistake being a regular occurrence uh, 
when you play out of the back, and I couldn't disagree with, with that more. And Christian Fuchs, we're going to talk about him, Danny Rams. Team Dad, he's our guy uh, in the U.K. today. He's somebody that we're going to talk about, his performance on the field. Uh, but off the field, he's at a very important event right now in the U.K. He's out of town. He's not training with the squad right now because um, he was at a statue unveiling today in Leicester City. Right, and that was a really important event uh, for the club that he made his name with, his Premier League champions, Leicester City. They were honoring their late uh, former chairman who uh, had who died tragically. Today would have been his 64th birthday, So they, and they unveiled a stadium, a statue, excuse me, for him outside of their stadium. And uh, obviously not an event you would expect Christian Fuchs to skip. You know, this uh, very important part of his life, a man who was very important in his life. And so, I, you know, we have no problem with him you know, going across the pond in the middle of uh, a game week to attend an event like that because it's important. That's part of life. But uh, it may throw things off for the uh, for the squad upcoming in terms of uh, if he misses multiple training days. Who knows? I don't know the exact schedule there. What a what a tragedy! And the fact that we can have our team dad there to represent our club and represent the United States. Quite frankly coming there, talking to people, telling them his experience at Charlotte FC, which he, at this point, I think, Danny, has had a positive one, even though we're coming off of a loss. So I think there's just, there's a lot to read into this situation. And I know that it's a difficult thing to consider because of the reason that he went. But to me, this signifies a few things. It signifies that he might be out of the lineup this weekend against Atlanta. And I think that to go on this trip, the right thing to do would have been to ask the manager, MAR, to do so. And if he didn't ask MAR to do that, and he made a quick one-night trip over to the UK in the, in the middle of a match week um, without running that by the club, it feels to me like a, um, a decision that could have repercussions, not in a negative way. Right? I'm not saying that like he's punished for this. I'm just saying that like it's all hands on deck. It's Atlanta week, Brams. Right, and if you're not in training, you don't play. That's been sort of what we've seen established from MAR. I mean, I would fee- I would be shocked if he didn't get clearance from the team to attend. I don't I don't know. Like I, you know, I, I see where you're going with that, but I would be just out and out jaw on the floor if if it turned out that he just did went without clearance from the team. We'll see. I honestly think. What I think is more likely to happen, as long as we're speculating about conversations that may or may not have happened, well, no. I would think, you know, like, maybe he talked to MAR and said, look, I need a week off anyway. Like, I, I've been getting burned we're out on the, on same the pitch. Page. We're on the know? same page. Yeah, exactly. We're on, we're yeah. on the same page. Because that's li- literally what I was thinking, is that I was in no way, shape, or form suggesting that he would just go fly to the UK <laughs> without talking <laughs> to the club. Christian Fuchs' day off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I was suggesting is is that there's just a little more something to this. Mm -hmm. And I think based on his recent performance, and that's what we're here to talk about. And we love Team Dad. There's certain things that are not deniable right now about what's going on with our our defensive back line. And there is a, when you consider depth, an abundance of depth at the defensive center back position where after going for six straight weeks, which is what he's done, at 35 years old, now might be a good time to say, hey, take a week off, and Walks is going to start on Saturday against Atlanta. So, 
that's that's where I was going with that. Um, and we've we've chewed a lot off that bone there, so maybe won't get into it as much later in the show. Um, ben Bender, somebody that that we love on the show, the Mind Bender. Um, so close to finishing again in the top left corner, couldn't get it done. One touch off the right foot, he moves it to his preferred left, maybe. Nobody's been able to figure figure out Brams whether Ben Bender prefers to be on his right or his left. But he he's set him he, he set himself up on the left foot. He's ambendextrous with his feet. You know what can I say? You were, you were itching to get that one out, and I respect <laughs> it because it's good. Because it's good. Um, and then and Carol Swiderski. You know, the question here is. Who was letting people into the bar on Saturday night in Philly? <laughs> they weren't even checking IDs up Right, front. there was no bouncer. The problem was there was no bouncer, and Carol was left kind of out there all on his own, kind of looking around, trying to get into the club, and they were just letting all these this, this riffraff in, these hoodlums, these hooligans, you know, all the... The type of people that come from Philadelphia, you might say. I don't, I don't know. But, uh, no, it was definitely riffraff, and uh, we needed the bouncer. We'll talk about it. And then uh, we're going to start our Atlanta preview. We're going to have another episode this week. I'm excited to be back in Charlotte after my week in Lauderdale and weekend in Atlanta. Um, so we're going we're gonna to get together again this week and have a big-time preview episode. Uh, but I think it's important on this, this show to start turning the page a little bit. And thinking about the first, we've had fun with the Queen City Derby, right? We've had fun with the the colonization classico. Yes, exactly. So against New England, and this week though is the city's first real Derby match. Atlanta United coming up at I eighty five um, to play in Charlotte uptown on a Sunday afternoon. This is a must-win match. And any, anybody who had any misconceptions that this was not a rivalry was hopefully uh, disabused of those notions after the uh, loss in Atlanta. And it's a rivalry, and they're coming to our house, and it's it, it would be a must-win. We could be undefeated right now, and this I would consider this a must-win. So, yeah, it's a must-win, especially given our status, coming off of a loss, being 2-4 and four with no draws, uh, but we're right there mid-table. There's major opportunity and uh, points to be grabbed and position to be grabbed, and uh, we can make up some points on Atlanta. We need to. They've, they're going to come in hobbled just like New England did, and uh, we'll get into that as well. So you've got a full look at our show today on this beautiful Monday evening in the Queen City. You might even be able to hear the birds in the background. It's Masters Week as well. Uh, Listen to them chirp. Yeah, I'm traveling down to Augusta on Wednesday. Gonna gonna get some time in at Augusta National. I can't wait to see that. I'm writing about golf and talking about golf on the Athletic this week as well. So please check out my coverage there. You can find that at at John Hayes on air on Twitter. Make sure you follow Danny Brams as well. So the first topic that I really just want to like dive into and seek uh, sink our teeth into is the formation, right? It's right. like, I, I, I know that we started in this formation. We mentioned the bouncer not being in the lineup, the starting 11. I just want to get your overall take when you saw that came out an hour before the match. What was your reaction to the 11? It was bad. Uh, it, it was immediately ultra defensive with the three center backs. As soon as I saw Walks, I was like, oh, Walks is in. And then I kept going down the list. I was like, oh, but Fuchs is still in. So I was like, 
All right, so we got three center backs. We're gonna go back to the wing backs. I didn't see Rios in there, and I'm thinking to myself, three center backs with Mora, which is basically like and Lindsay, yeah. For like, yeah, well, okay, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Joe Mora, God bless him. I, I I owe Joe Mora, you know, a little bit of a hundred caps, and the club didn't right. even realize, so they tweeted it seven <laughs> days later. Yeah, great point, great point. Hey, better late than never when you're saluting a guy for his 100th cap. But uh, 101, I said, you know, I said his 101st needs to be his best performance yet. It probably wasn't quite that, but he actually played pretty decent and, and did contribute uh, more than we saw in the first little bit. And, and Morris played his way in. The, I still think Armour is a better long-term solution. But regardless, this lineup comes out, and I just thought about, think about how excited you were when we saw the first time we saw the 4-4-2. And this, this felt like the step back. You know, you go two, two steps forward, one step back. This was the step back. You know, we, we come off two wins, and then we're, we have a tough matchup, so we get defensive, we come out, play for, okay, let's just try to limit opportunities, kill the game, and, and maybe play for a draw. And it backfired because we made mistakes like, like we always do, and we didn't really have the firepower in there to to fix it. You know, Swiderski was up there kind of all on his own, uh, it's hard to think of any really good, great Sverderski chances. I believe he did have one shot on goal in the first half, if I'm not totally mistaken. Um, eventually, we did get the chance from Bender that you want to harp on in a second, which I'll let you. But it was all down to the formation. And the, for, the fact that the formation was instantly changed to halftime and probably should have been changed 20 minutes in as soon as we – you know, should have been changed 10 minutes in as soon as we surrendered the first goal and things uh, started becoming apparent how this game was going to go – uh, I just think MAR got scared, and at least he was decently uh, timely in fixing the mistake, but then Kalina made a huge mistake and, and kind of screwed us over there, which, uh, you know, what can we say? Uh, the formation change came, but it was too too late and became too little. It's a great breakdown, and I uh, agree completely. It was very rem- reminiscent of the D.C. match on the opening night of the season. Uh, a defensive lineup against the club on the road, and I think we finally got our first window into how this team is going to operate as the season unfolds. Because I don't think this is something that MAR is going to change after a couple losses on the road. You can say a third loss on the road against Atlanta, but he was set up in that same defensive mode against Atlanta too. Remember, the bouncer came onto the pitch in about in about the 70th minute in Atlanta, and then he started the next two games. Mm-hmm. So we had 200 straight minutes on the field with mm-hmm. Swiderski at that point. So this time against Philadelphia was the first time in 200 minutes. Right. You know that that's a long time. With they pitch didn't heal. And by the way, the, you can quibble with the minutes. I know some people came off the pitch here and there, but you know what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Like he he played for the most of the match. It probably is more like 170. Either way, whenever we say things that aren't 100% factually accurate on the show. Just remember, we're drinking. Having a few beers. I, I know there's substitutions made. So, it's it's really important to understand and come to grips with the fact that at this point, and it's not the worst thing in the world, Charlotte FC is a different club on the road than they are at home. I, I feel that way, and I think it starts at the very top. I think it starts with the manager's decisions. I think it starts with the manager's tactics. And I think it starts with the manager's decision for his first 11. So, would it be better if we had went out there in a 4-4-2? 
and lost five to two? Eh, probably not, because you never want to give up five goals. Two nil on the road, whatever. It blends in on the MLS match day score sheet, and you just move on to the next week. So. Mm-hmm. I, I get it from that point of view. but right. you, There's a huge silver lining. You can say, oh, we went to the best team in the league, the team with the best record in the league, uh, you know, a defending Eastern Conference uh, final participant, and we played toe-to-toe with them and lost 2-0 on two really bad moments of madness, you know, huge mistakes. But other than that, played really solid. You can, you can look at it that way. And some people I've seen on Twitter are already framing it that way, and that's fine. But... When you have two wins, playing a certain style, and you abandon that style in hopes of just playing it safe, and you're an expansion team and you have a losing record and you're trying to get back to 500, it's just not the move. It's just not the tactic. It's not something we expected to see. If you remember our preview pod, we hardly even considered for a fact that they would change formation. We both said, of course Rio starts against Philadelphia. And then when he wasn't there... We said run it back. Run it back, maybe. <laughs> like we're on the court, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're, like We're good. We're going to keep winning until we lose. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I know MAR likes to do his little tweaks and all that, but you don't necessarily change a winning lineup. Why wasn't Jones in? Why would Bronico come back in over Jones and then Jones never subbed in? We don't know. You know, that's not something I didn't see any clarity from the postgame presser in. Don't think Brant played particularly badly or anything, and I'm fine with those guys, you know, switching up and – keeping it fresh and giving different looks in that spot. Both those guys are talented and, and have shown they can play the role for the team. So, I, you know, it's nice to have a settled starting 11, but I don't mind giving each guy's chances, you know, to get in, especially in that spot. But the formation was just too weak and defensive. It was just, it was just the first time. It was the first time we've seen this kind of, like, Regression or this step back from MAR when I mentioned the bubble bursting earlier. It's just like I was on cloud nine. Like last week, waiting for the game was like the longest fucking week. Like because we were coming off two wins. Like I took in all this content on Sunday morning after we beat Cincinnati and I'm just loving life and I'm just like thinking, oh, we, we're a playoff team. Like I'm like, this team is dangerous. We always talk about the chip on our shoulder that we have against the rest of MLS and it was feeling, I was feeling so justified and really righteous. In that, you know, I just feel like, man, we are a problem for teams in that Major League Soccer, you know, all that. And then it gets deflated, you know, then you lose. And that's the highs and lows of being a supporter. You know, we've been supporters of European clubs and lived those highs and lows. But it's different. It feels different for me when it's Charlotte FC, this club that is like my hometown team that I've like committed my, my year to at the very least, if not, you know, the rest of my days. Charlotte Soccer Show, John Hayes, Danny Brams. We're going to get into that second half, 46-minute howler next. Welcome back into the pod. We're in South End tonight. 
um, John Hayes. He's Danny Brams on a beautiful Monday night in the Queen City. It's, it's just so nice out here on the patio, John. I gotta say, it's just so nice here at Triple C Brewing. They're doing a great job. I'm still nursing my uh, baby maker. You should be. It's, it's, a, it's a strong one, but uh, life is good. We're going to set up basically the next month for you and dive into the moment of madness to start the second half on Saturday night. And while, and, and while we talk about that, we'll set the expectation about why that's so important and how the reaction to that moment is critical for the success or the failure of, of this franchise. But it's been a lot of negative discussion. It's been about the loss. It's been about the play not being great. The, the back foot formation, all those things are negative. But we're sitting here today. It's, it's April 4th, and it's a huge month of opportunity for Charlotte FC. Yeah, so I saw a stat on a recent podcast I was listening to. I think, I think it just came from Top Ben, who said uh, recent expansion teams, last four or five expansion teams, have all taken till their tenth game to get their ten point, tenth point in the table. We have six points through six, so in theory, if we can win two of the next four games, we'll be ahead of that pace. So you start to look out, you project out. You know, we already called Atlanta a must win. You figure we that's a must win. We've got to get it. Assume we get three points there. Then we just need one win out of three to to be ahead of expansion pace, which is a nice place to be, right? So the problem is all those games will be on the road. We, we got to go to New England for yet another Colonial Classico. And then we go to Colorado, who I think we can win that game. We, we have lots more thoughts on that down the road. Colorado certainly beatable, although they were one of the top teams in MLS last year. They, they started the season in the CONCACAF Champions League before falling out embarrassingly. That game's going to be fun, a 9 p.m. kick yeah, on yeah. the road. Uh, that's our first trip out west, you know, as a, as, a, as a club, which you and I will not be making, but uh, we'll be staying up late to watch it, I guess. And then uh, the, the 10th game, April 30th at Orlando, which I plan to be in attendance there. Uh, I am making that road trip. Pretty excited. I know you're thinking about it. You haven't uh, committed one way or the other yet, but it is in, in your potential cards. But, yeah, so Atlanta, New England, Colorado, Orlando, you know, three road games. But if we can get two wins out of that foursome, we're going to be in a pretty nice spot. And then we have a great homestand coming up right after that with Miami, who's almost a free win. Montreal, very beatable. And the Whitecaps, who are also beatable, making that trip all the way across the country from uh, the West Coast. So, good chance we could be looking at a team with 15, 16, 17, dare I say 18 points in the table, you know, uh, by the end of May. And right there in the mix for a playoff spot. We'll see. I don't know. But we got to clean some things up. And I know you want to get into uh, the biggest mistake, the most glaring mistake uh, from Saturday night against Philly. And that is a guy who has been basically kind of been, he's gotten a free pass from the fan base so far. And it's Christian Kalina, Super Kalina, the man who can do no wrong in many people's eyes, did very wrong on Saturday. And you have some insight that it may Looking a little deeper, it's not the first time he's fucked up. So, <clears throat> before I get into this conversation, I implore you to go on my Twitter handle, at John Hayes on air. I've taken a bunch of stills from the moment of madness uh, out of the back, inside the 18, and I'll break it down for you exactly what happened, why this was the wrong decision, and how it was an absolutely inexplicable decision from the keeper in this moment. And we're going to wear that. Right? We're going to say we're self-aware that this truly is a moment 
to look back on and say, if this happens regularly, then Kalina isn't good enough to play keeper in this system. So that brings me to to really the moment where I realized that I had to address this. I had to discuss it with you. <laughs> you were just forced into action. That you could no longer sit and be silent. Correct. Exactly. And the the CEO of Tepper Sports and Entertainment, someone who's played a a key role in this franchise and someone who you know, when we got to Atlanta and we saw him in the suite, we gave him some love. Right. We we were trying to da- we dapped up uh, Mr. Kelly from afar. Nick Kelly's who you're talking about, the CEO of Tepper, and uh, we've loved him so far. You know, we love his his combative attitude on uh, on Twitter. You know, he's really you know leaned hard into you know the the preseason commentary uh, being so negative around our team, and he pushes back against that a lot, which is great. But there's a chance when you get kind of combative on Twitter. When you make that a regular part of your process, you can come off maybe going a little too far out over your skis, as you put it. So before we read the tweet, let me just document exactly when this tweet was sent. It was at 12.59 a.m. on Sunday morning. So take with that what you will. (laughs) Long night. (laughs) At Nick Kelly on Twitter. Tough loss tonight, but a few things. Point number one, amazing crowd. Yeah, Philly brings it. It's a soccer-specific stadium, and it's not hard to fill that thing up. We'll start there. Uh, Number two, there's a reason why they are undefeated. We didn't think they were undefeated for no reason. Like, yeah. Like, thanks for letting me know. Um, And then thirdly, the second goal will happen again. It's the risk of our style of play. And we've said this for the last six months. It's okay. Ooh, I hope it doesn't happen again. It can happen again. So, you know, the reason why I wanted to address this is because it's about standard. It's about expectation. It's about professional soccer at the highest level in our country. And it's a point of pride to play this game not only through exceptional play, but quality decision-making. Like, the cool thing about the Premier League, Brams, is that you see the skills, you see the speed, you see the connectivity, but when you realize how quickly decisions are being made and how the wrong decision can not only impact your squad in a negative way, it can totally lose you the football match. Mm -hmm. That's what happened on Saturday night, in in my opinion is as soon as that mistake was made Mm -hmm. in that 46th minute, it was over. So what's worse to you, the the pass or the decision to pass? The pass. It's like a zero out of ten pass. (laughs) Zero out of ten. But you no problem with the play play trying to keep the style. He has the ball. Right. Remember, please go on my Twitter account and watch me break this down for you. There's options. Hell, you could have just booted it out of bounds or backheeled it for a corner. But you, <laughs> you could have done a lot of things. Right? But what happened was is that the ball was distributed across the face of goal mm-hmm. while he was 
eight yards away from the near post. Mm-hmm. He got put in a little bit of a bad spot by the pass going across the face, like you said. It, re- it was kind of similar. That's when he gave up the penalty. The other big key mistake when he gave up the penalty against the Revs was he got put into a bad spot by some lax passing on the back line. It's not the first time the keeper has made a mistake. Yes, he's come up with worldy saves. Kalina was named in the MLS 11 of the month. Because of his shot stopping. When yes. you look at Kalina, it's his shot stopping and his distribution, A++. And he had great saves on right. Saturday night. But it's his ball work on like dealing with balls coming in that are not necessarily shots right. that has shown some need for improvement. Just boot it out of bounds, bro. Right. Like, it's not hard. Just boot it out of bounds. And I think that's a mistake that two things can happen from this. Number one, you go out there and you say... I'm going to be conservative when the ball is at my feet and there's a team pressing us into our own corner and I will accept putting the ball out of play or even giving up a corner, which is like worst case scenario. I thought was worst case scenario, right. but that pass was actually right, worst right. case yeah, scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there was a worst case <laughs> and we found it for yeah, sure. So like there's only one possible way you can make that worse. So it's something that we're going to keep our eye on and and something that we're going to discuss because it's it's in re- it's really important for this club moving forward that you know the expectations are and, and hey go back and listen to the trailer we talked about this and we, we said that this was coming down the line and we've had fun we've enjoyed this club and we've had so much fun talking to you our listeners about the club and getting to know some of you along the way but at the end of the day we're doing this podcast because we want this organization to be run well we want the quality of football to be good. And we're going to discuss when we see a lapse in that. And we want to make sure it doesn't seep into the culture of this program like it maybe has with some other teams in town. And I'll just leave it at that. And like it has with some other recent expansion franchises. Look at Cincinnati and Miami. They're, I mean, those that's like multi-year projects to get out of the holes they've dug for themselves through botched expansions, and we can't afford for, for Charlotte FC to fall into that hole. Definitely not. The other thing we got to talk about here, and I know it's tough. and uh, Another tough subject? Another tough subject after we just, you know, puffed some air out of the balloon that was Christian <laughs> Kalina, uh, the love fest that he's been having. Uh, try to dial that back a few notches. We have to talk about Team Dad. We have to talk about Team Dad, who's... One of our favorite players and a guy that I had to do a huge, you know, walk back of my early criticism because he had played so importantly and so So now you're going to walk forward? Now I'm going to re-walk back the walk back, back to where I originally was. He's a little bit of a liability at times, at key times, and unfortunately reared its head on the first goal. uh, Really poor defending on what I've considered a, a blind cross from Sergio Santos to Carranza for the first goal. And Fuchs got wrong sided when, uh, you know... You, it was a really nice uh, long ball to sort of spring the attack from Philly. Uh, Kai Wagner, their left back, who was so dangerous, you know, sent a, a ball right over Jalen Lindsay's head. Sergio Santos runs onto it, but just kind of blindly crosses into the box. Guzman unable to stop it, and Fuchs just unable to stop the attacker from meeting it. And, you know, we, you look at what happened on that play, you wish he had defended better. You look at what happened on the Jake Mulraney game-winning goal in Atlanta. You saw him get beat there. You look at some spots where he hasn't been 
consistently able to defend as well in the last 30 minutes of a game compared to the first 60. And you just think to yourself, is this a guy that's going to be starting for Charlotte FC for a 30-plus game MLS season? I just uh, He's started all six. He's gone close to 90 in every one, but he's costing us goals. He's, he's providing leadership and uh, veteran presence and, and just a calmness that is so essential. And we've said, you know, like, we wouldn't be where we are as a team and a club without him. But is he the long-term stalwart on the back line for this team? We really have to take into consideration all the things we've talked about from the very beginning. And that is a six-week run of play for Christian Fuchs. 35 years old is a lot to ask. And... Um, I see his role as something similar to a James Milner type role on Liverpool. I can see that. Like, does Milner start for Liverpool every not, game? Not, 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 not much anymore at all. He, he, but does he get PT and do they want to give him a new contract? He, he makes an impact when he's on there. He's a veteran. He calms things down in dicey situations. Yeah. I mean, those are all things that Fuchs is going to be able to do regardless of whether he's exhausted or not. So, totally. you know, obviously. Uh, so the decision is about full 90s, man. Mm-hmm. It's just not in his best interest to do that. Right. It's just not. And you don't want to waste a substitution uh, for just that when, you you know, you, you have limited t- subs you can make. But maybe you can find ways to strategically, when you're making a different substitution, okay, it's also time to get Fuchsy out of there. It goes back to, and not only just time to get Fuchsy out of there, to get Team Dad some rest to put, you know, right. it's like, what if it worked the other way? And you've talked about this in the past. You have, and I think it's like a really good idea. And the reason why it's resonated with me, and I want to have the conversation again, is that, like we said, TT Ortiz could be a super sub. Mm-hmm. If you brought Christian Fuchs on the left-hand wing in as a super sub to let him play wing back, and whip crosses into Swiderski with mm-hmm. his left foot. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have those crosses coming from him than Mora, for sure. So there's roles here that are happening. We're starting to see things. And I think the Fuchs conversation, while on face value feels like super negative, we can be constructive with our criticism. Right, 100%. And it all has to come against the backdrop of we would not be anywhere near the cohesive good-natured group of guys that they are out there without Christian Fuchs' influence in the locker room on the training pitch and all that. Imagine if it was 1-1 in Philly on Saturday night. Yeah, if if Bender had finished. And Fuchs was on the bench, and he didn't start. And in the 65th minute, Joseph Moore gets taken out for Christian Fuchs. Mm -hmm. The squad is like, let's fucking go. Right, and he gets to go all-out balls to the wall. He can just give everything he has for 30 minutes. I hope MR's thinking about it, man. I hope I hope he's listening. <laughs> I mean, I hope he's listening anyway, but uh, I hope he's thinking about creative options like that. He's shown his ability to be creative in, in some of the stuff he's done, so I, would, I wouldn't doubt it. So let me just follow up real quickly. The logistical analysis behind this type of creativity and, and strategy is you've got Christian McCoon, who can play center back. You've got Anton Walks, who can play center back on the right-hand side, and you've got Guzman Carujo, who mm-hmm. can do that as well. So a back three for this squad is just like the easiest thing in the world to come up with when you need to push for a goal in the final 30 minutes. If you have the wingbacks. Mora and Lindsay, as good as they are, they have not been offensive creators oh. from wingback position. They just haven't. Lindsay, I got no qualms with. Mora is getting better in my eyes. Uh, I mean, uh, 
but they're not. Neither of them is okay. really providing the offense. So even hear me out here, Jan Sobashinsky, who we still haven't seen. If you want to have a back four, put him in there, and you can have a back four, and then change into a back three for the final thirty minutes because mm-hmm. Fuchs is going to play left wing back or right wing back and distribute and try to score a goal. My point is the options are there right. because of the depth at the back. Right, and you could even put Makun as a left back. He had some experience with that in Miami too. So it's fun to think about. <laughs> I mean, if you got to give it on the pitch. I was surprised he subbed in. He subbed in late, and that, to me, spoke of a commitment that I, to him that I had not really recognized was there before. And Walks was bad. Walks was actually pretty bad. He was a halftime sub, uh, in part because of the situation. They need to get Rios in. But I, 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 I've been projecting Walks to displace McCoon out of the starting 11. I think i got to change that up. I kind of think McCoon is going to hold his place. We'll see. You know, For him to sub back in, after missing uh, time in international duty, I was surprised. You can follow him at Danny Brams on Twitter. Please do that. And, of course, I shouldn't have waited this long into the show to follow us at For the Crown Baby as well. It's our famous sign-off here on the show. And we're going to have fresh content there. I contribute. Brams contributes. You can always find the link to our show at that page. We'll pin that tweet to the top of our feed every week when we do a new episode and you can hit us back there and have a good time send us a dm dms are open let us know what you think about the show and we like to have fun uh we talked that's where we can talk back to the fans a little bit and get conversations going we've had a few of our followers you know ask us questions oh what'd you think of the 11 what'd you think of the first half that's exactly what we're trying to do on there so thank you very much to all y'all it's the charlotte soccer show we have one more segment coming your way and it's going to start our preview of the Atlanta United match this weekend at home Sunday afternoon. I'm glad the match is at 1.30 because when it ends the leaders will still be on the front nine at Augusta. Hello friends. <laughs> and we're giving you a little taste of what you're going to hear on that CBS broadcast this weekend hanging outside on a beautiful Monday night. There's injuries in the Atlanta United side that could have a huge impact on this week's match. We'll tell you what that means and have our final thoughts coming up next. Final segment on the Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brands with you again. Follow us at For the Crown Baby on Twitter, at John Hayes on air, at Danny Brams. We're excited about the match this weekend against Atlanta United. Follow, follow these birds on Twitter if you can. They're chirping. They're, the birds are chirping, baby. It's getting close to sunset out here on the Triple C patio, and uh, man, we're having a blast. Uh, John, some big news today. Big news out of Atlanta, and uh, we'll get to that. But first, we got to mention. We switched up our beers for the we final did. segment. Yeah, we little did. beer switch. And it's you know once you've had a couple IPAs, probably not best to have another one. So I've gone with the classic. And if you're listening to the pod and you like to have beers in Charlotte, you know that a Golden Boy is a staple here in the Queen City. And and there's something about the brunch beer that makes this taste better than it normally does. Like the brunch set up the Golden Boy. Correct. It, it, you prepped your palate. Exactly. What do you have? It's brilliant. I'm uh, I'm running a uh, an OG an OG pills. This is sort of the uh, the triple C version of a, of a, just a, an American beer, but uh, 
elevated, if you will. It's not you know, it's not exactly a Budweiser here, but it's it's pretty nice. Nice way, like you said, you can't just drink IPAs all night. You gotta you gotta take it down a notch, tone it down a notch. We love Triple C, and trust me, this is not a paid endorsement. It's one of the uh, the best breweries in the city. So let's set up the week ahead, uh, the match against Atlanta on Sunday. Some key issues to follow as the week progresses. Danny Brams, you have the latest. The big news is that uh, Joseph Martinez is a questionable uh, for this match. and If not straight up out, I haven't seen com- official confirmation that he's out, but I do know the news that he's uh, getting his knee scoped and is having some lingering issues. In Pittsburgh. Yeah, so he's, uh, he's, he's going to see a specialist up there. Never a great thing. Uh, guys had some some knee issues and some uh, health issues in the past. I've been, you know, I, I've been out here say in the streets for a while saying that this is not the Joseph Martinez of 2018. This is not the guy who was running up and down the you field. You were saying that on the field in Atlanta to <laughs> yeah, Atlanta United yeah, fans. Yeah, yeah. And they exactly. were pissed off about it. Exactly. Yeah, they were, they were pissed. <laughs> like, I was telling hard truths about Joseph to them, and the – what did he do against it? He scored a penalty kick, but other than that, you know, he was no no real concern. His best chance on goal was easily saved by Kalina. He shot it right at him. So, I mean, it is what it is. But he is a chance to not even be available for this match, which would, you know, for all the shit that I just talked in the last 30 seconds, uh, you know, it does make their team worse to not have him. So we'll see. What may be even uh, more under the radar, but even bigger impact in the actual match play is that both of their defensive mids that started against us in the previous game might be out. Ozzy Alonso and Matus Rosetto, both going to miss some time. They have a guy named Santiago Sosa who's probably a starter who wasn't available against us the first game who will probably come back. So I think they're going to be okay, but there might be some chemistry issues. Alonso had earned major praise, you know, for his play this season. I kind of think he's a little old and past his prime, you know, but uh, he is an MLS legend. And so he, he earned a lot of praise from the pundits. But how do we really feel about the, the establishment, lamestream MLS media here on the Charlotte Soccer Show, John? I mean, as someone who is new to this league, fairly new to this league, especially the Eastern Conference, it feels to me like there's just a little bit of bias happening with people who have been committed to the league for a long time. Right. It's like punk rock. I grew up uh, listening to punk rock. It was a huge part of my of my uh, teenage years and whatnot. And the thing of it is, is uh, in the punk scene, when you are the first to a band, you get very territorial. You get very defensive. You you want you ha- you're faced with this dual consciousness of wanting this thing you love to spread in popularity, but resenting all the new people who come in with that popularity being achieved. So. There, we sense a lot of that. You sense it even stronger than I do. So, I, I mean, you, you feel it in terms of the gatekeepers, as we've said before, and these MLS media types who have bashed the way Charlotte went about their team and are, are quick to jump on anything that they can do to shade Charlotte and who praise, you know, th- 40-year-old guys on their last leg like Ozzy Alonso having a decent game uh, in a loss <laughs> and praising him to high heaven on Twitter. So, yeah, you could be onto something there. You're too close to the sun sometimes. You've been so close to a product where you don't even know what that product is anymore. <laughs> and when you've got fresh eyes on the product, that's when you're really seeing things. And you can understand that MLS is changing right now. 
mm-hmm. before our very eyes. And from the people that I've talked to who are very close to the league, who have a very keen interest in its success and when it comes to the transfer economy and that's where I want to be very very clear about where my specific knowledge comes in about the league I am very very well aware of transfer happenings in the January window and in the summer window and the global market for soccer players that exists for different leagues across the world. And what is happening in MLS is, MLS is no longer a league where players pass their prime, like a... Pirlo? I'm biting my tongue so hard on guys that I want to mention. But Lampard. It's not, it's not worth it. It's, not, it's really not worth mentioning the guys because I, I do respect them. And... It's now turned into a league where someone like a Sverdersky comes in. Right. When we signed him, what'd they say? What'd uh, uh, Zoran say? You know, all my friends in the business told me this guy is a Serie A player. They were shocked we got him. Exactly. There's starting to be a market in the MLS for players who are on the fringe of top European sides who might not get the playing time that they want but could come to MLS and increase their value and then be shipped out. And, you know, it's ironic because I think there's um, recently a a case for Miguel Amiron of Atlanta United being a perfect example of somebody who used MLS to take his career to the next Mm -hmm. level. And that's happening more now than it has ever. With a lot of South American players, like Almiron, that he's like set a template for, for a lot of guys to come through and, and move up and move on, for sure. Now, Almiron's found himself in a little bit of a playing time situation over in Newcastle to where there's actually some rumors of him having maybe, out of the side of his eye, an eye back towards coming back to MLS just, just to sort of rebuild his reputation. I will say, if that, I don't think that's going to happen. But if that were to happen, Charlotte should go all in to get him because it would just be the ultimate troll on Atlanta to bring Miguel Almiron back to the MLS for sure. That would be amazing. It absolutely would. That would be a huge F you to Atlanta, which I would be all in favor of. But we're running out of time on this cast. Yes. I want to get a quick – I just want to get a quick storytelling in. Everything, I agree with everything you just said there, and it was beautiful. And I love the, the finger on the pulse you have in terms of MLS's uh, – relational importance against all the big clubs in the world. It's a global economy, and the MLS factors into that. Big time. I do want to say, uh, you were at a wedding on Saturday, didn't get a chance to really party with the Charlotte FC uh, fan, supporter, community as you watched the game. I was able to go to the uh, watch party at La Unica with Blue Furia in uh, Music Factory up there uh, in North Charlotte. And man, what a time we had. We had a great, great time. I met some cool guys at the bar, you know. Sweet. It was one of those scenes where, like, you felt totally comfortable, like, just, like, saying hi to a stranger, you know, because you knew, like, you're all wearing Charlotte FC gear. So you just say, hey, what's up, man? And, and then you're, like, instant friends. And, you know, I was with the, you know, we were posing for pictures outside and stuff like that. And 
doing chants and they brought the music uh, in and the noisemakers and the yeah. drums. I felt bad for any anybody who just decided to go to dinner at La Unica <laughs> that night that was not aware of what was going Sorry. on. Was definitely tonight yeah. was not the night for Mexican. Yeah. Tonight was not the night, but uh, we had a great time. It was loud. I posted a video on our at uh, for the Crown Baby Twitter account. You can go see, and uh, it was great. And unfortunately. Things were spoiled by, like I referenced earlier, early goals being scored in each half. Because right before the start of the game and right before the start of the second half, we got so hyped. And, like, the hype factor was legit. It felt somewhat – it was a, a slice of flavor of what it felt like to be in a supporter section of Bank of America during a match. And, unfortunately, we just pissed it away with uh, just shitty play in the first couple minutes of each half. But uh, What, what beer were you drinking though, out there? I was drinking Estrellas. Estrellas were on special. You got, you know, they were giving away tickets for uh, free. Free. You could. You got a ticket. I saw you had a wristband on too. Yeah, you got a ticket and a wristband. The wristband was good for uh, two dollar domestics, which I'm not big into the domestics, so uh, I didn't drink that. But you could, they also gave away tickets. Your ticket was good for a free either Michelob or Estrella or uh, Seltzer. So you could get one of those three options. I know Rachel would have gone for the Seltzer. She would have. Uh, I think. I think you. I don't know if you would have gone for the Michelob Ultra. I'm not sure. I think you would have been with me on the Estrellas. Yes. And the cool thing was, everybody got one ticket, but there's these guys sitting next to me at the bar. Like I mentioned, my new friends. I didn't get any of their names, but uh, they didn't want their free beer tickets. So I was I was basically just drinking free Estrellas all night, and so uh, I never had to worry about the two dollar domestics. Maybe they weren't drinking, or no, no, they were drinking other. They were drinking other. Oh, beers. oh they yeah, said yeah. They, they said we were not interested yeah. in all three yeah, of those yeah. options. Which I get it. This is just kind of a side tangent, but like sometimes freedom means the freedom to turn down free things and say no, I will pay for this because this is what I want. I don't yeah. care if you're offering me a free option that's subpar. That's neither here nor there. But no, it's a good uh, point. Though. It's very <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just a life say. lesson for you in the middle of this uh, uh, Charlotte FC supporters group party storytelling. But uh, it was a really good time. Stayed there for the whole game. Had a, a blast and uh, just major shout outs. Charlotte uh, supporters groups are bringing it. And uh, even when we're on the road. Even when things were less than ideal with the circumstances of the game, the party did not stop. We had a great time. Which leads me to a very important question. Because I've seen the polls, I've seen the discussion about what the Charlotte FC supporters section should be named in Bank of America Stadium. I'm going to have to think on that one, man. You just put me on this. I hope you're not expecting an answer right now. I'm not because there's some options that I've put out put out there. Oh, I haven't seen these. And this is the Mint City Collective group voting on we the name. Love the MCC. We do. And, and, and we think they are a supporter section that, quite frankly, without them, the club would be worse off. Totally agree. So, uh, the Armory. The Foundry, The Keep, Mint Street End, or Royal Family? I'm going to go with The Keep. I got to vote for The Keep. I don't, I don't know. I like The Keep. I think it's a, uh, it's a royalty, it's a castle reference. You know, the, the Keep, if you're not aware, was like the innermost, like impenetrable part of a castle in medieval battles. Like, you, you, the enemy may, may, uh, pierce the walls of the castle, the outer walls, but they will never get the keep. So I, I like, and it's quick, it rolls off the tongue. The armory, the foundry, the reference is a little weak, it's tougher to say. 
the royal family, I don't really like. As much as I feel like a family with a lot of those people, I, I just like the keep. The keep is where it's at for me. Major Game of Thrones vibes yeah. for the keep, yeah. which is cool because there's major Game of Thrones vibes in the video played before Charlotte FC matches Big uh, time. At, at Bank of America Stadium. So, what's uh, winning? Do you know what's winning the the poll? Yes. The the Armory. Eh, come on, come on, fans. We can do better. The keep. Call me old school, and I think this is uh, the. The aisles in me that I love the Mint Street end. Yeah. That's like what I wanted that to That doesn't be. surprise me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like right. that. Yeah. I mean, it is the Mint Street end. You know, if you consider, you know, the Stratford end, uh, you know, the cop end, and you know, all these iconic spots in, in English yeah. Premier League fandom, the Mint Street end makes sense. We, yeah. en- we enter on Mint Street. Right. We identify ourselves as the Mint City Collective, mm-hmm. and it's the Mint Street end. Like it's just like to me, it's like this beautiful synergy mm-hmm. that you don't have to try hard to figure out. It's just like it perfectly blends mm-hmm. in because if you're in the supporter section, and as someone who's not in the supporter section, typically we'll get you in there some point soon. Not just some point <laughs> soon. I will be in the supporter section on Sunday. Let's go. Promise you that I will be there on Sunday in the supporter section. I cannot wait experience my first match there in the min street end yes in the min street end exactly <laughs> right so i mean that's where we are and that's that's the fun thing about a new club where these things are happening these votes are happening and I, I, the armory is is not good enough for me but hey i'm, I'm not a no decision i don't know maker. where the armory and, comes and there from. will be a public vote because these early decisions that are making and this is what it's really cool to be part of the min city collective because this is all pre-planning for the now public vote to where these choices will go up against the other council groups and once the public vote gets started that's when the full decision will be made so this is just the very early experience getting people that are close to the club to give their ideas call me biased I need to give. I want to give more weight to whatever suggestions come from the Blue Fury group because they are the most uh, animated supporters of the group. Love everything that MCC is doing. You know, I'm not saying they don't cheer and sing and chant for their club, but it's the Blue Fury that really brings the energy to that supporter section. So I think they should have a, a heavier influence on what it gets named. Personally, it's a fun conversation, and I think that probably taps out our conversation tonight on the Charlotte Soccer Show. I'm John Hayes. He's Danny Brams. You can follow us on Twitter at For the Crown Baby, at John Hayes on Air, at Danny Brams as well. We're going to be back later this week with a full preview episode of the match against Atlanta United. That news that we talked about, Danny Rams, you're going to be over that this week? Or Should be come all into clearer that? focus. Uh, you know, we'll know yeah. even more by the time we record next. Exactly. So until next time. Until another edition of the Charlotte Soccer Show, and we appreciate you giving us our review, giving us the, the follow on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk to you soon. It's for the crown, baby.